0: Um, Okay, so Matthew 28, page 1000, verse 16 to 20. The Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they told him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, And now we have Romans 10, 5-15, page 1137. Moses writes this about the righteousness that is by the law. The person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that is by faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or, Who will descend into the deep? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you. It is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thank you, Sally-Ann. Let's pray. Father, we acknowledge that Jesus has called on us to tell others about him. Please show us what we need to do in the light of this and equip, strengthen, inspire and encourage us so that we would do it. Amen. You all do seem a very long way away. Is there something wrong with the front two rows this evening? Uh, uh, Eddie's always already reminded us about our vision as a, chur- as a church, to grow the church and deepen our commitment to Jesus Christ, and also of the three key things that are required in order to do that: revive, to purposefully refreshing uh, our hearts. To build up purposefully, building up disciples, and then third, uh, uh, to speak, purposefully, to uh, deepen our commitment to outreach uh, now over the past month, in our evening services, we thought about being refreshed, and in due course, we will look at being built up, but now we 're thinking about speaking, speaking up, and I suspect that of those three things, that's the one we find most difficult. It may be we just feel ill-equipped to do it. It may be we feel nervous about it. And in some cases, it may be that we're not sure we ought to do it. And so we do need to look at it in some detail. To be clear, when we talk about speaking out or speaking up, We're talking about telling people about Jesus and calling on them to put their faith in Jesus and to follow him. And when I say uh, talking to people, I mean everyone we encounter talking to our family, talking to our friends, our neighbours, our colleagues at work, or those people in the parish, the area around this church we need to be speaking to them all. And the first question that we really need to address in relation to that is, well, why? Why should we be doing that? And there are many answers to that question. The first is pretty obvious. We should be doing it because Jesus has commanded that we do it. That's why we had the first reading I'll remind you of what Jesus said, and these are his last recorded words in Matthew's Gospel. Then Jesus came to the disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. You may wonder whether that was simply a command given to those first disciples. After all, they were the only people standing in front of him at the time. But if you just think about it for a few moments, you'll realize that that can't be the case, because there's no way that those 11 people could possibly have gone and made disciples of all nations. It simply wasn't possible. And even if uh, contrary to possibility, uh, they did do that. Unless the people who they made disciples then went and made more disciples, then as those people died out, then so would faith in Jesus, and Jesus would have no followers. Now, that commission of Jesus, the so called Great Commission, is a commission to the church throughout the ages. We are called upon to go and make disciples of all nations. Of course, that's a collective call. Not all of us are called to go and be missionaries or to become ordained ministers. But again, just think about it for a moment. Uh, If we don't all play our part, then we will never collectively fulfill that commission of Jesus. In, In our second reading, Paul said this, How then can they call on one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Now just keep that in mind and think about those members of your family, friends, colleagues, neighbours, anyone you know who doesn't know Jesus. If you don't speak to them, how are they going to hear about Jesus? Oh, I can imagine you thinking, well, maybe they'll read about him, perhaps on the internet, perhaps in a book, perhaps even they might read the Bible. I have heard people come to Christians just by picking up the Bible. Brilliant. Uh, Or they might hear it on television or the radio. Or perhaps someone else will speak to them. Well, perhaps. But probably not. Particularly... If other people also take the view that it's not really for them to talk about Jesus. Now you see, we've all got a part to play in this. We all have a responsibility. And, and, and that takes us to a second point, which is this. This really matters. Uh, Eddie has already sort of half quoted John 3 16 and I think I've probably quoted it in all of about my last half dozen sermons. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Many of us love that verse for the simple reason that it contains that great promise of eternal life. Everyone who believes in Jesus shall have eternal life. Me, you, and if they believe in Jesus, all of those people that we know. Don't you want that for all of your friends, all of your family, everyone you know? Surely we must want that. And, and surely that's an incentive to go and tell them, tell them about Jesus. Certainly it seems that way to me, Uh, But just in case you're still not completely convinced, it is necessary to look at the flip side of the coin. Uh, Again, in our second reading this evening, Paul wrote this. If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And then again, verse 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved will be saved 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 from what john 3:16 god so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish and and just in case we haven't got the point a verse later john goes on whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Jesus said that on a number of different occasions. This is John eight twenty four. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not... Sorry, I told you that you would die in your sin, sins. If you do not believe that I am he, you will indeed die in your sins. And, and perhaps most starkly, and again, I know I've quoted this a couple of times recently... This comes from Matthew chapter 13. It's the parable of the weeds, the final bit of it. The Son of Man, that's Jesus, will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Believing in Jesus really matters. And therefore, telling people about Jesus really matters. And we have a great responsibility in relation to that. Some hundred years before Paul wrote, God had spoken to the prophet Ezekiel about this. And he'd given Ezekiel a picture of a watchman, a watchman on a city wall warning the people of the city about the approach of an enemy army. And having given him that image, God went on as follows. I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel, so hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways, that wicked person will die for their sin and I will hold you accountable for their blood. We have a really serious responsibility in relation to this, but we shouldn't just focus on that responsibility, because it's also a privilege and a joy to speak to people about Jesus. We bring good news As Paul wrote earlier in his letter to the Romans, Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. You see, we're not just a watchman warning of the bad news. We're a herald or heralds of the good news. Many of you will have heard of Pheidippides, who in 490 BC ran from the battlefield at Marathon, 26 miles back to Athens, bearing the news that the Athenian army had defeated the Persians and the city was safe. That was a real privilege to carry that message. And it must have been a joy to carry such great news from the Athenian point of view. And we're in the same position Actually, well, I hope not quite the same position because my analogy is slightly marred by the fact that Pheidippides then died having delivered the uh, <laughs> message. Uh, and there is another problem that it's probably a myth in any event. But the point is that it's quite a good analogy. And, and I hope you understand what, what I'm saying. We have good news. To tell people. And that should be a privilege and a joy. Again, going back to what Paul says in our second reading, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. That's an extract from Isaiah chapter uh, 52. And uh, it's worth quoting that passage in slightly more detail. It, It in fact underlies part of the song, one of the songs that we sang earlier. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. Listen, your watchmen lift up their voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their own eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem, for the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all nations, and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. All the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. And we're called upon to tell the ends of the earth that it's coming and that they can participate in it. It's a great message. You you see, uh, we should speak to people about Jesus because Jesus commands it, because it really matters, because we have a responsibility to do it, and because it's a privilege and a joy. But but that doesn't make it any easier, does it? That doesn't stop us being nervous uh, about it. And we need to be honest with ourselves about that, because if we aren't, we won't be able to deal with that nervousness. But we need to ask ourselves, why is it that we are, are, are nervous? And I suspect that each of us will have a slightly different answer to that. But, but, I, but I also suspect that there are some common themes that run through uh, our answers, uh, for example, if we're honest with ourselves, I suspect that a lot of us will say that. Uh, uh, that uh, sorry, I've sli- slightly muddled the sentence. I think a lot of us w- would say that we fear that people may think a little less of us in relation to to, to that, or that they may think us slightly odd. Or, or that they might even feel that they should pull back from us, that our relationships will be harmed in consequence of speaking to them. And, and if you do feel like that all the time, sometimes, that there are two things to bear in mind. The, the, the first is this. We are not called upon to tell people about Jesus in an insensitive manner. We're not called upon to corner them and compel them to listen to us and not listen to them, to their fears, to their concerns. In fact, completely the reverse. This is what the Apostle Peter said. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reasons for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. We're called upon to tell people about Jesus with gentleness and respect. And respect. Think about Jesus himself. He acted, to quote John again, with grace and truth. He had a deep concern for everyone he met. And it was precisely because of that deep concern that he spoke the truth to them, that he warned them. And we now need to have the same attitude and the same approach. the the second point also derives from the example of Jesus albeit it's slightly less comforting again think of Jesus did some people think less of him on account of what he said yeah they did some people did did people think him odd yes some people did did what he said uh, damage his relationships with some people? It did. We read that a number of people stopped following him, turned back because they said, these are hard sayings, we can't cope with this. Not all, but some. And Jesus said a servant is no greater than their master. So we do need to accept there there will be occasions where people react badly. But if we're speaking in grace and truth, then it's actually not us that they're reacting badly to. It's the gospel they're reacting badly to. And at the end of the day, we do have to ask ourselves, are we seeking the praise of people or are we seeking the praise of God? But of course you may say, well, I'd, I'd hear all of that, but that doesn't happen to be my problem. My concern is I just don't know enough to speak to people. I'll get tongue-tied, and and, and if they ask questions, I'll never know the answers to the questions. I'll think about what I should have said on the Sunday following the conversation. That'll be too late. Now, I have a difficulty in, in responding to that, and that's this. That when people like me talk about responding to that, there is a danger that everyone listening thinks, yeah, it's all very well if you're an articulate lawyer who spent 45 years studying the Bible. And far from being encouraged, you end up discouraged about it. But if you needed to be an articulate lawyer with 45 years reading the Bible to talk to people about Jesus, then not very many people would have ever become Christians. Down the ages, it's not been people like me who have been the main source of people becoming Christians. It's just everybody. It's it's, it's Christians down the ages. You see, the qualifications for talking about Jesus do not include being articulate, let alone being a lawyer, by the way. And they don't include uh, having studied the Bible for 45 years. Uh, Of course, we need to know some real basics but but by knowing the basics I mean the basics I've already quoted uh Romans 4 uh, 425 Jesus was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification that is the fundamental message and you can expand it a little but only a little and and have the the full gospel everyone you all of you me anyone to whom we speak, has done wrong and disobeyed God. And as a result, we have broken our relationship with God and are subject to his judgment. And there's nothing we can do about it. We can't work our way back into his presence because no matter what we do, we don't erase what's happened in the past. We don't erase our wrongdoing. Besides which, we all know we continue to do wrong. But... Jesus, God himself, came into the world, lived a perfect life and was then killed on a cross. And in being killed on a cross, he took the punishment that should have been ours. He stood in our place. And then wonderfully, after suffering the shame of the cross, he was raised to new life and enjoys eternal life. And God has promised... That whoever believes in him, whoever trusts in him for their relationship with God, their acceptance by God, will share in that eternal life, no matter what they have done wrong. It's it's as basic as that. You don't need more than that to tell people uh, about Jesus. And then it's simply a case of, of being ourselves. We shouldn't pretend we know more than we do. We shouldn't uh, uh, worry that we won't be able to answer questions. If all that we say is, I believe that Jesus died for our wrongdoings and rose again from the dead and I've put my trust in him, we are serving God in speaking to people about Jesus. Uh, And there's one other really important thing to remember. We need to remember that God is with us as we speak about Jesus, and we need to rely on that. It's very easy to forget the very last verse of Matthew's Gospel. Then Jesus came to the disciples and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go and make disciples of all nations, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age, he said. Jesus promised to be with his disciples to the very end of the age as they fulfilled his commission to go and speak to other people about Jesus. And he promises to be with us. Again, as Eddie mentioned earlier, this is Pentecost Sunday. It's the day on which we remember the giving of the Holy Spirit to the church. That's important for a whole variety of reasons, one of which is it represented the fulfillment of Jesus's promise that the disciples would receive power and be equipped to talk about him. This is Acts chapter 1. On one occasion while Jesus was eating with the disciples he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem but wait for the gift my father promised which you have heard me speak about. For John, baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And of course, at Pentecost, ten days after Jesus' ascension, that promise was fulfilled. The disciples, as Eddie read... Did receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, a gift that has remained with his people. And what did they do? Well, those people who, if you read the Gospels, you will see made a huge mess of things while following Jesus, were timid, mistaken, demanded the wrong things, they suddenly were empowered to go out and proclaim the Gospel, begin fulfilling Jesus's commission. And they laid the foundations on which we stand now. And we too, if we go and speak about Jesus, can rely on the fact that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, God himself is with us and will enable us and empower us. And therefore, we should pray about this. Pray for guidance. Pray for for inspiration. Pray that God would show us who to speak to, how to speak to them, what to do. But having done that, we then need to go and do it. And I'm not trying to encourage us to have a sudden burst of enthusiasm, whereby we rush around for two weeks and then slump exhausted and think, well, I can take that off. Because what Jesus was talking about was a way of life uh, for Christians, We're called upon just as part of our normal Christian lives, by which I mean our lives as a whole, to speak to people about Jesus, those who we encounter in our everyday lives. I'm very conscious that a lot of you are probably thinking, yeah, I get all of that, but I'm still jolly nervous. And I understand that. Not least because the challenge is to me as much as it is to you. Uh, but we should remember that we're in this together. That this is, a, this is a, a collective thing. We can help one another and we can, we can encourage one another. Uh, for example, after the service this evening, when incidentally you'll all be helping move the benches, um, there'll be an opportunity to talk. Talk about it. Share your... Nervousness. You bet you'll find everyone else shares it as well. Share, share what you find difficult. Receive encouragement uh, in our small groups, in, with people with whom you pray, or just other Christians, you know. Just, just talk about it. Encourage, help one another. The truth will remain that most of the opportunities to speak about Jesus will be on occasions when you don't have any other members of the church with you. At home, at your work, just in your everyday lives, as with mine. And in those cases, it's just great to have other people praying with you and, and, and for you. But of course, there will also be opportunities to do these things together. I won't ask you how many of you read the weekly update that went around last Wednesday, but if you did, you will see that in July, we are recommencing our uh, uh, calling on homes in the parish in order to talk about Jesus. And if you look in that weekly update, you will find the dates uh, of those uh, those visits. Uh, And more details will follow in due course. Please do join us if you can. The more of us there are, the more we will be able to help and encourage one another. You'll never be asked to go out on your own. And certainly my experience of doing it in the past is that everyone comes back encouraged and actually bearing witness to the fact that God has been with us as we've been doing it. In any event, whether you can join us or not, the key is All of us need to be telling other people about Jesus just habitually in our everyday lives. Amen.